Hey everyone, welcome to If You've Come This Far. I'm Chris and I'm here with my partner Sean and we're here to do what we always try to do, which is to have uh, authentic conversations with interesting people about what they're doing to make more meaning out of life. Uh, and um, interesting guest on this episode, probably the f- geographically furthest guest we've had on the show, yes, true. Emma Varva Lucas. Um, who is the executive? Well, I'll let you share that, Sean. But uh, we talked to her while she was at her home in Athens, Greece, uh, on one morning. For us, at least, it was a morning. Anyway, um, tell us a little bit, Sean, about how you found Emma or about uh, what her story is. So, so Emma's the um, executive director of the Progress Network. Um, but I found Emma. I was reading an article in um, Triangle Magazine. Uh, no, Tricycle. Tricycle, Tricycle, which is the Buddhist, yes. yeah, which is the Buddhist magazine, and she, it was about doom scrolling, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is right up my alley, and so, um, you know, and and it was an article about all negative news, and and you can you know just take this all in, and so you know, I she she then talked about the Progress Network, um, and I sent our notes saying, hey, here's what we do, um, we'd love to have a conversation with you about what you're doing, Progress. And um, and she came on and talked to us. And and really, the whole emphasis around the Progress Network is to shed it is just that to talk about all the positive things that are kind of going on in the world, uh, as opposed to every other piece of news that we read that that truly seems like it's emphasizing the negative of everything. Yeah, I mean, she was also uh, she made a note or she shared with us that sometimes people sort of confuse the progress network with the progressive network. Not that there is yes. a progressive network, but like sometimes people think, oh, this is just a um, a bunch of liberals or whatever. Uh, and it really has nothing to do with that. It's it's nonpartisan, but it's just yeah. this, um, you know, and, and the doom scrolling piece is the, the part of that, I think that they're trying to sort of counteract is this do nothing about what you're reading don't interrogate or you know don't come into what you're reading with any skepticism and move more towards constructive problem solving so you know instead of woe is me it's like oh a is this true and b can is there something we can do about it and 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 that's what she and her her boss and partner zachary uh do on their um on their podcast which has been really refreshing for me at least well, and I think you said it too. I mean, the, the whole idea of the network is that they've got um, a vast, um, a vast number of connections and relationships with folks that are contributing to to their media. I mean, the Progress Network is just that. I mean, it's kind of a media company, I would say, right? I mean, and so, yeah. um, so people on both sides of the aisle, if you will, are contributing to um, to what they're doing. But I did get a kick out of her at one point, making clear that this is not the good news network either, right? This is right. not that one of those things where it's like, oh, here's a photo of someone mowing someone's lawn or something like that. She gave a funnier example than that, but um, um, but yeah, it's a thinking person's um, uh, resource. Yeah, for sure, and uh, um, and she's again another person doing great work, and uh, we're just lucky to be able to talk with them, just for Amen. a little bit. Well, here we go then. Yep, here we go. Hello. Hey, Emma. Hey, Emma. How you doing? Doing great. Good. How are you doing? Good, good. Happy um, Friday. Good, good happy to meet Friday. you. Yeah, good to meet you guys as well. Um. I have a question for you. Are we doing video for this or just audio? Well, we're not going to do anything with the video, so it's just for us to see each other. Um, are you? Are, do you have concerns? Do you want to change glasses or anything like? I love your. <laughs> I love your glasses, by the way. So, Thank you. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, if you're going to use the video, I'll bring out my my webcam, which has much better quality. But if it's just for us, then no need. It's all good. Yeah, they just they just get to hear the audio, so that is it. Um, we had, we had some, we, we went ahead and hit record cause we're always afraid we're going to forget, but, um, <laughs> we had some debate right before we did that about where you are in the world. Were, were there any, um, good guesses, any fun guesses? Well, yeah, I know you're in Greece. Okay. <laughs> you are yes, in Greece. So, so mine was an educate, mine was an educated guess, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sean, Sean's right. I'm in Athens in Greece. And yeah. you live there. Yes, uh, I moved here during the pandemic. Um, so I was 10 years in New York, and then I came here almost three years ago at this point. How's life over there? 
Um, <laughs> I always tell people that Greece is like excellent for vacation and living is a completely different matter. I'm really lucky that I still have my job from the U.S. If I didn't have that ability, I would not live here. Mm. But having that situation, it's wonderful. Um, it's definitely some cultural adjustments. I was a little bit stupid when I came here. I was like, it's the U.S., but better weather. Um, not the case. Yeah. <laughs> Completely different uh -huh. culturally. But uh, it, it's it's overall, I, I like it. But I'm also avoiding a lot of the things that drive people crazy about the country. So. Yeah. Right. Well, do you miss New, Do you miss New York? I mean, you, I know you went to NYU and then you were just, you know, living in New York. Do you miss that? Um, life? I miss this. I miss the States. Like I, yeah. uh, the past two years, I've been going to the States twice a year. And this year, I think it's just going to be once. And I'm feeling that like, I really, I miss the U S I miss Americans. Um, mm -hmm. but I don't miss New York. I, the last time I was oh, there, okay. like I always go and see my friends cause I have lots of friends there. And the last time I was there, I was like, I really don't like this place anymore. <laughs> uh, Emma, you know what I say about New York city? It's a great mm. place to vacation and a, and a hard place to live. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think that's right. Um, Love it. Four day, like four days, four day weekend in, in New York is awesome. And then I'm, I'm good to go. I'm I mean, the food, the, yeah. the, I mean, it, right. Yeah. For me, anyways. It's, it's a lot. It's the, you know, the concrete jungle feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And where yeah. are you guys? Are you in the same place? We're close. I'm in Palm Springs, California. <laughs> okay, nice. Well, now, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I should say we're sometimes close. I live in Chicago. I'm in Chicago yeah. now. Uh, and Sean is, uh, Sean lives in two places. So, um, yeah, so he's, he's. He's out in Palm Springs right now. And, and Emma, can I ask, where did you grow up? In New Jersey. In Jersey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Armpit of the nation and all that. No, 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 <laughs> no. I feel like Jersey, yeah. Jersey's a little bit like Cleveland. It gets a bad rap. There's a lot to, you know, there's a lot of upside there. My mom is actually from Cleveland. So. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, definitely got the Ohio representing in the fam. Um. Yeah, New Jersey. Look, I I, I kind of think New Jersey is underrated, but then again, I grew up there, so yeah, you know, yeah. Especially so, if we're talking about talking about looking on the bright side of things, we can always look at yeah, the good right. stuff about Jersey <laughs> and Cleveland, right? There you go. I like that rather I like than, that rather than the dark side. I mean, right. this is your vocation, right? You're supposed to, you know, be the glass half full person, right? Um, I I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> So Sean obviously reached out to you and came across you via tricycle. Um, and I've listened to your podcast with Zachary, um, which we should plug it. It's, it's the, one of the best names to a podcast I think I've ever heard. What, what could go right. Um, and I wanted to ask you, cause I have sort of a small world story, but how did you and, and Zachary uh, come you know, cross paths? We cross paths because I have a very close friend in New York. Um, who went to Fletcher for business school. And I don't know exactly how Zachary seeking someone for the progress network ended up on a Fletcher listserv. He must've known someone, either he yeah. knew someone directly or he knew someone who knew someone. Um, and my friend, uh, it was still on the listserv and she was like, I've never seen a job posting that's so random and unique and like perfect for you. Um, so she sent it along to me and then, you know, I emailed Zachary and that was that. It, it is odd. I, you, one does not think, oh, I've got this like sort of, you know, do-gooder, positive impact on the world startup uh, thing. And where do I want to find the next leader for it? Why don't I try business schools? Why don't I look for some MBAs <laughs> to do, to do that? That's, yeah. I went. I got an MBA from yeah. a business school, and yeah. so I, I I can make fun of us. But um, the reason I I bring that up is, first of all, I love the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much. It's really great. And we're, and we're going to get into that. But the, I also have a small world story. Um, I live four feet away from my neighbors and good friends who own a whiskey distillery here in Chicago called Judson and Moore. And um, it's named after Colin Moore, my neighbor, and his late father-in-law, Judson Bergman, who was the, fo the founder of InvestNet where Zachary spent like six years of his life, I think. Oh, okay. I will ask him about it. Yeah. I will, I will ask about the name. Um, 
Zachary is one of those people that seems to know everybody. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this this is a definite small world um, yeah. event going on. Funny. Um, and he does have an interesting past, doesn't he? He's kind of done, you know, he, he spent that time, I think, in the private sector finance world. But um, like, how did he come up with this idea for the Progress Network? So, I mean, he had been... First of all, I think it's a little bit in his like nature and his background, um, the way that he grew up. And he had been writing a column, I think at Slate, I hope that it, that's correct, um, called The Edgy Optimist for a little while. Um, and he was sort of like interested in like green sustainability stuff, like long before green sustainability stuff was cool. Um, so I think he always has like a an eye on the future as a person uh-huh. um, and as an investor. And um yeah, he started writing that column. And I think that he just became more and more interested. I know for me, I became more and more interested as like the US became more and more politically fractured. Um, in like, are we in this case as a society where we're writing ourselves into destruction? Like, we're so sure that we're heading there that we're actually going to put ourselves there because we're sure about it. Um, rather than remaining like humble and open about it and like seeing if we could move forward in a positive direction so i think he had been sitting on the idea for quite some time i don't know what it, like i don't know about the specific specific timing of it like what made him really go for it when he did um i actually haven't asked him that and i should um but it turned out to be really funky timing because <laughs> we were supposed to launch like right when the pandemic hit so mm-hmm. uh he wasn't planning for that that's for sure <laughs> i'm not sure anyone was planning for that yeah but but like you like you've said written i mean no time like the present to start right i mean there's i mean the pandemic no no pandemic get after it and start doing what you guys are doing with with the network right yeah absolutely i mean we had a moment so we were supposed to launch i can't remember now it was like march or something of um 2020 uh 2019 Gosh, the pandemic is so much. I know, in the can't keep track. I'm like, I can't yeah, right. keep track. I'm really right. bad with the years, but any, it was right when it hit. And um, there, the first iteration of the of the organization was actually a little bit more um, focused toward like, there's a lot of good things going on, and a lot of things that are better than we realize. Like, why why don't we pay attention to those things? Um, it had more of a focus on that. And when the pandemic hit, we were like, oh, no one wants to hear that right now. Like, things are undeniably worse right now um, than they have been in quite some time so let's keep that but also put some focus on constructive problem solving um, because there is no better time than the present and um, we halted the launch for six months um, then finally decided to do it right before oh it was 2019 so it was right before the 2020 election Um, and again people Mm -hmm. are like this is a terrible time for (laughs) Like, why do you want to do this right before the 2020 yeah. election? This is terrible. We were like, nah, no time like president. Let's let's do it. We paused for the pandemic. We're not going to pause for Trump v. Biden. I feel like um, it would be helpful maybe to get our listeners over to what could go right for you to describe what, what could go right. Yeah, and, and, sure. and maybe the Progress Network, too. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. And I think we should also say that it's Zachary is Zachary Carabell, who is the founder of the Progress Network, yep. just to clarify who he is, too. Yep. That's Sorry, right. Yeah. Yeah. And Zachary wears many hats, but one of his hats is um, the founder of the Progress Network. Um, so the Progress Network is essentially a nonprofit media platform and a hub for everything that has to do with progress. Um, we have 150 plus members. We have some institutions that work with us and we have, we do a lot of different things, but what essentially what we're trying to do is show people that we have made progress that actually the world is in better shape and they think it is like what I was just saying before um and that we need a, a sensibility of constructive problem solving of you know non outrage non knee jerk freak out <laughs> and partisan freak out to continue to make progress and to continue to solve problems and that the belief that we can do that makes it more likely that we will do that and likewise as i said before the belief that like we're all going to hell in a handbasket makes it more likely that we're going to end up there we have a few different ways that we produce original content but the main ones are the podcast and our weekly newsletter so the podcast is also weekly um, co-hosted by Zachary and myself and we basically have guests on from different fields so journalists um, 
people in tech, climate people, scientists, uh, all kinds of people from all parts of the political spectrum um, as well. And we we are not afraid of looking at problems, but we just talk to them with that sensibility of a constructive approach. Like, you know, we'll talk about AI and we'll, we're definitely going to, you know, entertain the risks and the threats involved in AI, but we're not going to just say like, this is definitely going to be, you know, a world ending technology. We're also going to talk to optimists about that. Um, and the weekly newsletter is, is similar in that every week, um, we send it out. It's a it's a introduction written by me that summarizes uh, you know one big thing that has happened like electric vehicle sales shooting up or um, another one recently was Uzbekistan passed like a huge women's rights bill that had never been passed in the country before around domestic violence and other things. Um, and then we have a bunch of like fun links of you know different news articles we've collected from around the internet with progress in different sectors, public health, tech the environment um and then some other fun stuff too because uh, we do think it's important that along with all of this sort of like sometimes dry topics that mm. people can have a good time maybe even laugh a little mm. lighten up cheer up a bit you know it's so it's so funny you talk about you talk about ai and the headlines I was struck the other day by the one that's, you know, when the I think it's 350 business leaders came out, people involved with AI and said, okay, AI could potentially be bad. But the headline one, experts, AI raises the risk of human extinction. I'm like, Ugh. okay, if we're raising the risk of human extinction, is that really how we, I mean, is that how we want to portray it? Is that how we want to say it? Um so, yeah, and so I, I'm going to leave that one and come back, Emma, to um, why I reached out to you. So I saw the, so it really was uh, the transcript, I think, of your podcast um, at Tricycle and, um, you know, the headline about doom scrolling. And that always catches my eye because I have this, uh, I have real issues with social media. I think it's poison. And so when you talk about doom scrolling, I'm like, okay, let me read this. And then I learned about I learned about the Progress Network um, and sent you a note because it happens I have this habit that I've had for 35 years where every morning I get on a treadmill like the one behind me <laughs> and I say read the papers so it's the it's the Times the Chicago Tribune and the Wall Street Journal and I just I I've been in this mode recently where I'm just like everything is I mean. For, I, I've been doing it for 35 years. You, you would think that I'd figure out sooner rather than later. So damn negative, oh, just awful. And and so I think for me, I've I've looked at it and and coming to the fact that you know Tricycle is is a about a magazine about all things Buddhist. Um, I just look at it from a very mindful perspective and say, okay, let let me assess this what I would term negativity from a mindful perspective. And take it all in consideration. And, and then I read about the Progress Network, which is, uh, I think, has that bent, but also is very much about portraying things in, in a more, to provide information that's the kind of counter to this negativity. A comment about that? Yeah, I yeah, mean, for sure. You, 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 you really look at things from a mindful perspective, I think. Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of different thoughts around that. So I think the first yes. one is, you know, I am a Buddhist, um, sort of a bad Buddhist, but uh, <laughs> I, I am a Buddhist. And well, why do you say, wait, why why are you a bad Buddhist? Oh, I'm a, I'm a little bit lapsed. Uh, I'm like a lapsed Catholic, <laughs> okay. but I'm a lapsed Buddhist. Yeah. Um, and I can tell that story if you'd like. But um, what, what was really important to me or really sort of transformative to me when I first discovered Buddhist philosophy and practices is that it shows you the belief of like the things that you think are real might not be real, right? Like that you right. are actually an yeah. active agent in creating your reality and the way that you um, uh, have things in your mind actively changes how you perceive the world around you. It actively changes how you react to the world around you, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of take that point of view when it comes to looking at the media mindfully, you know, as you just said, um, I think in part because a lot of people don't understand 
how journalism is put together and how the media world kind of works and is mm -hmm. um they think that what they see portrayed in the news is just like reality as it is um and it's not mm -hmm. at all um the news is designed to do a certain thing the news is designed to tell you of anomalies um it's not meant to tell you about all the things that are working well right now why because it's like often kind of boring and dry and it's just not mm -hmm. that's just not sell, what it's meant to right. do yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. sell um and it's just, you know, it's also in the, in the nature of how things work that bad news is really dramatic and quick. Good news tends to be really slow. So it's really hard to like continuously report on things going well, because what that headline looks like is like 50 children fewer, you know, came out of the poverty today. It's just not like there's just not a whole lot you can do with that. So there is that, right? Like people confuse what they see in the news with actual reality when it, when it's not. And there is also the case that um, in, I think, the last 20 years, there has been a rise in negativity in the media. People have actually studied this, um, looked at headlines and coverage and so forth. Uh, and there's has been a rise in negative emotions like fear, disgust, uh, anger. Um, so I personally, I think that's a little bit reflective of our, of our political landscape in the U.S., mm -hmm. um, Although it's not just confined to the U.S., this rise in negative headlines, um, there are other people that can certainly do a, a really smart exegesis of, you know, the link of that and social media. Um, but, you know, when it really comes down to it, I'm a very big fan of like you are what you eat in terms of when it comes to your media diet. And um, it is the case that the media is giving people negative stories, but it's also the case that the media is giving people negative stories because that's what people are clicking on. So right, yeah. it's a, you know, vicious cycle going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you talk about mindfulness and, and I'm not, nor have ever studied Buddhism. Um, and so I don't know how much of mindfulness is meant to be sort of this intellectual pursuit but I, I think of of what you're doing and and what my hope is for the future. And I work in the education world. I think that's sort of the the long term, sort of longest positive lever we have on our future, to 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 train kids how to think critically and to interrogate what it is they're being fed and to fucking look at the ingredients on on the can, right? Like, like where is this coming from? Um, and just be a little bit more skeptical maybe. Because right now I feel like we talk about clickbait. People are attracted to what they want to hear. People are writing headlines because they know who those people are and they know what's going to click through. And no one, like I see this all the time where it's like no one is... I do with my kids, even I have two kids and, and it's like, they'll, they'll cite something or quote something. I'll be like, well, what's the source? Just consider right. the source. Right. Um, and, and, and is there any other evidence that we might look to, to just, you know, to refute that? So I don't know that that's the, to me, that's like, if I could home in on the one sort of weakness of, of our society is that people have stopped asking questions. And, curiosity. And yeah, curiosity. Curiosity. There yeah. I mean, I, and it's funny, my kids, my kids rip me a new one when I ask what the source is. I'm like, what, Daily Mail, Twitter? What, what, what's, yeah, exactly. what's, your, what's your source? Exactly. No, I yeah. think it's good that you're asking them, though. And I think like part of that is media literacy. I think that the media landscape has changed dramatically. I mean, even from the time that I was in um, college and journalism school, I was there at a time when uh, everything was transitioning online. And there was a thought that like, basically all journalism is going to die because people aren't going to pay for it anymore. Um, so I think we're still in like this very rapid transformation of the, the media ecosystem that has to do with kids learning how to navigate that, you know, and in the education system, I think it would be awesome if we had media literacy classes. And the second mm -hmm. thing is, I think it's just simple overwhelm. Like there's just so many, like right. so many social media accounts. There's so many just random people on TikTok. Um, and people don't know, like you guys are saying that like, you do need to check like who this person is. Are they connected with a larger organization? Are they just a person? Like, what's their reputation? Where's the funding coming from? And these things are actually not that difficult to figure out most of the time, but it does take a little extra step and a little extra time. And I think that like, I'm not sure people really like care that much to take that little yeah, extra step. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, and and um, I'm curious, did you... Was uh, the Progress Network always going to be a nonprofit? Was there any consideration for it to be a for-profit? 
No, not that I know of that Zachary was ever thinking that it was going to be for profit. Um, you know, it's it could be possible down the road that we have a revenue model um, just so that we're uh, self-sustaining and not you know having to rely on donations and outside funding. That's a possibility. But I don't think that I, I don't think it would be it would really work for the Progress Network to be a, a for profit endeavor, because I think then you get into the exact same dangerous territory as other media organizations get where you start giving people what they want instead of the freedom that I currently have and that Zachary currently has right now of like we're giving them what we think would be healthy to eat. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Right. This episode of If You've Come This Far is brought to you by Half Acre Beer Company makers of Daisy Cutter Pale Ale and many other fine ales and lagers. Visit them at their brewery located at 2050 West Balmoral Avenue in Chicago's beautiful Bowmanville neighborhood. Uh, real quick, so having been in the nonprofit world, Emma, for, I don't know what it is now, 15, 16 years, um, you're now running a nonprofit, but I know your website says that you're based at New America. Are you all uh, like a, are you are they your fiscal sponsor or, or are you running your own independent nonprofit? So they're granting us our 501c3 status. Um, Zachary's a board member at New America. And so when we started the 501c3 status, first of all, definitely made things um, easier just because starting all that up from scratch is, is a headache, uh, as, as yeah. you guys might know. Um, mm -hmm. And uh the other thing that the association with with New America really helps with is that a lot of the like larger administrative stuff. Um, New America helps us with that. So we're, yeah. we're run pretty much independently in terms of editorial content and what we'd like to do. Um, but we're able to be helped out by their, you know, uh, the people they have in place to do finance stuff and uh, those sort of like large, yeah. large burdens, which is really nice. Um, and it also helped a bit too, because starting anything from scratch, you're, you're going to have to build a brand and, you know, us being connected to new America, there's an element of trustworthiness and brand awareness there that would be much harder to build from the ground up if we were just like some, you know, yeah, some yeah. people out there in the ether. Well, I was just no. going to say, um, so, so you're responsible as the executive director of the progress network. I mean, I, I'm guessing you get some funding maybe from new America, but you, you have to go out and raise money, right? Uh, I'm guessing, and and if that's true, what's what what are you selling? Like, what's the what's the pitch? Like, and and who's buying? Yeah. So I have been um, blessedly free from having to to go out and do a lot of money raising. Um, it's something that Zachary and I have spoken about, but right now the the funding is in place, um, just from from private donors. Uh, and I think part of the reason why I said I'm blessedly free of that is that there might be come a time in the future where we're going to have to do that. And I think it is difficult to tell people what we're selling um, because a lot of the fundraising apparatus out there are really, what's your tangible impact, right? Like yes. how many bed nets have you given out? Um, you know, what, what are your quantifiable numbers here? And, um, you know, I can certainly turn around as a media organization and say X number of views on, you know, social media, this many people reading the articles, this many people signing up for the newsletter, reading the podcast. But I think that those are inadequate things at best to really measure cultural impact, which is what we're after. Like we're really trying to turn this ship around or at least mm -hmm. balance things out a little bit when it comes to, I think like the really excessive gloom and doom and despair and just antagonistic feeling. Um, that the U.S. seems to be going through right now. And I think that a lot of people, different people and organizations are approaching that in different ways. And like, we're trying to like push that way forward from our own particular perspective. But like, uh, I know the funders can be a pain in the ass, right? Like, cause they want, you know, student growth and, and bed nets and everything else. But my guess is that you and Zachary are trying to figure out like, what does impact look like? And, and you know, we can't go out and we can't survey everyone in the States or in the world and find out if their level of pessimism has gone down or optimism has gone up. Um, what, what, and I'm sure that listenership is, is a big thing. And, but, but like, what is the, what is the goal? I like in terms and what's the measurable sort of, you know, success metric. 
he's yeah, a di- he's mean, a he's a geek. He's a data geek. He's, he well, needs to I, know I, the number. He needs to know the metrics, the numbers. I don't need to he know because I know that himself. they're hard. Um, <laughs> but like, but like, the reason I ask is not because I'm trying to pressure you, Emma. But I'm curious. Like, I, I'm curious. Like, when are we? When will we know that we're we're heading in the right direction in terms of this evidence based anti pessimism? I mean, so first of all, you know what you said before about we can't go out and pull people in the United States. Like we absolutely can. Um, and there are lots of uh, optimism and pessimism polls that are run by different um, polling organizations. I think YouGov has done that. Gallup does one, probably Pew Research. And they do ask about these things. So um, that is one thing we can look at. I think that we would have to be much larger than we are now and, you know, holding hands with a bunch of different people to really like get those numbers to move. Although that is our moonshot goal, you know, really to to have people feel um much more empowered and uh, hopeful. I don't want to say hopeful because it sounds a little weak. Um, right. But, but more, but I more agree. empowered and and you know in, in a smart way, hopeful. Smarter. <laughs> uh, looking... uh, let's just say smarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, uh, you know, when it comes to the future and the metrics in the meantime are the hard numbers of like how many people are paying attention to us, and then there are there's the soft sort of metrics of who else do we see in this space? Like since the time the Progress Network has started, there's been a lot of other organizations um, that have started, popped up, um, doing work, getting bigger. Uh, there are other like longtime players in this space. And I think that, you know, if we are to make like a really large impact, like we'll feel that. I, I feel the small ripples going because people email us, people reach out to us. Mm-hmm. I see stuff on social media um, and that's much harder to measure, but you 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 get the the sort of mm-hmm. feeling from it. I got one thing to say. I can't let you mention YouGov and those other panel companies without plugging my friends at Morning Consult. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. So they're they're doing good work there. Yes. Go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say in this week's newsletter, um, you know, there's it's heavy on metrics. I mean, she talks about uh, the social is it social profile index, social progress index, social progress index, um, which is all stats. I mean, at least of what's going on in the world and and you know, it's one set of numbers, right? I mean, somebody may, again, as we as we look at information, people can skew it ver- a variety of different ways. But but certainly, those are things that you can connect to to say, okay, are, are we are we making progress? Are we adding to, to the conversation? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, those a lot of that stuff is um, like material needs, right? Like material yeah. changes in the world. Um, I think what would be a good metric for us is like how many people would be able to cite those numbers, right? Not not mm. from a sense of like, okay, no one's going to remember like really granular numbers about every country in the world, which is what the social progress index covers. Yeah. Um, but people might just know as a, as a factoid in the back of their head when a conversation gets brought up that like, no, actually, most countries are moving in the right direction when it comes to right. like a variety of different things. And like that would be success for sure for us. How do you feel about you know, the mindset of some that would be, um, if we only look at the good stuff, I'm going to say only, if we if we spend so much time looking at the good stuff, we're putting our head in the sand as to all the shit that's going on, um, which I'm sure you I'm sure you hear about. Um, how do you re- how do you react to that? Like, okay, hey, no, everything's not as bad as we say it is. It's it's really good. Um, how do you react to that? Yeah, so so two things come to mind. The first is that like we try to be really careful at the Progress Network with with everything that we do that we're not like ostriching our way out of problems. We're not saying yeah. that everything is fine. Like that would be yeah. such a crazy thing to mm-hmm. say, right? And like, no one will listen to us or read us because like, obviously not everything is fine. Um, and things are at different levels of fine or not fine in different places at different times. Um, and I don't think that we're going to get anywhere as far as continuing progress on if we're blind to problems. But I do think that there's a there's a unfair conflation that's made when we say like, Hey, I think we're not paying enough attention to what's going well, that people think that we just don't want to pay attention to what's going wrong. That's not the case. It's just that, you know, like Zachary has said in the past, um, that we're just trying to balance things out. Like, 
if we lived in a hyper optimistic, hyper positive time that was doing what you described in terms of like, we're really not paying attention to the threats around us. He's like, well, maybe I would have started the, like, what could go wrong, you know, yeah, <laughs> podcasts yeah. and right. things like that. It's just right. that in this particular moment in time, it just feels like the scales are very much so tipped towards yeah. the negative. Um, and I will say too, the last thing that like, I'm not, and Zachary's not, and I'm not here to say that we think that the media should just cover what's going right. You know, like we, yeah, we, co- yeah. we focus on that, but we're not meant to be like, we never market ourselves as like, just read us when it comes to your media source. Like that's not like, yeah. we're way too small for that. That's not what it's meant to be doing. It's meant to as like a supplement. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would argue that if you took that approach, it would be antithetical, if not hypocritical, um, based on sort of the, the, the what I think I understand to be the mission of the Progress Network. So, and I've heard you and Zachary, like your most recent episode with, uh, um, who was it, with John Avalon from, he used to be at CNN, I think. He Super, still is at CNN. Mm-hmm. Is he? Super smart. Um, and I heard you two push him, right? Like, oh, you're going to make the optimistic case, but what about this and that? And so I think that that sort of critical discussion um, is, is, is like the, the Holy grail, right? That's what we're all hoping for. That's what I'm I, hoping I, for. So I, I would also like your take on, so I, I have, this may be conspiracy theory ish. Um, so it feels like in, in the, in the stuff that I consume and there's other stuff that, that I read and listen to, um, but it, it becomes noticeable. Let, let's take the, what what is viewed as the mental, mental health crisis in the United States. That there's so much, like in in those sources and other sources, so much attention on it. It feels to me like a drumbeat to the to the point of emphasizing how bad it is that it makes people more sensitive and also gets them anxious. And now they're complicit with this this mental health crisis. Is there? I mean, is is that in, is there? Are part of that is intentional, or is there? I mean, is it just like okay? Well, this is a story everybody's going to write about, and now it feels like it's so overwhelming that we're creating the mental health crisis by focusing so much attention on it. Is that is that just me? Is it, well, let me ask is you any, this: When yes. you say intentional, you mean intentional from whom? I exactly they. <laughs> <laughs> whoever whoever they might be uh no exactly i i have no idea but it's just like how how we're so wrapped up in it and it becomes such something that's in the in the mainstream and foundational that uh, it can't it can't be they creating it but but it feels like we create a we create a problem by focusing so much attention on it so much negativity on it actually that people are like well all kids have mental health problems um, or all kids are, are, you know, ODing or, um, or have suicidal ideation. So it, it, it creates the problem that it's bringing attention to. Yeah. Does that make any I, sense? Yeah. I think that there's, I mean, you brought up this one example uh, as an example. I think there are a lot of things that we've sort of <laughs> made worse by uh, hyper focusing on it in that way. Um, I think that we do need to, people do need to ring alarms, right? Like, um, the mental health thing is one where, uh, like a big thinker that I know in the space, Jonathan Haidt, who's also one of the members of the progress network, mm-hmm. he's, he's hyper-focused on that, but he is also yes. like the only one really ringing the bell back in, you know, the early millennium. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he's wrong to do that. I don't think that there's anything like conspiratorial about him doing that. I think that's like genuinely where his concerns and his research interests are and like where the data is leading him. And he's very transparent and open about what surveys he's looking at, what stats he's looking at. I think what, where we get into trouble is we are showcasing the problem and then we are almost never showcasing like, how bad is the problem compared to long-term stats about a various thing? Right. And if we really are in like a new and unprecedented space, which we're like almost never in, um, what are we doing to solve that? Uh, who are the people that are out there trying to solve that? Um, and I don't, like I, like I said before, I don't think there's a day out there. I think this is like a human nature 
to, to thank, do this. And people worry and they spiral, especially when it's about kids, right? With, with right, kids' mental right. health. Um, I think the media makes mistakes sometimes. Like there was a there was a report that came out about high school mental health a few months a few months that, ago at this point, and the C, it was from the CDC. The CDC mm-hmm. made mistakes in the math in the report, and then the people reporting it repeated those mistakes, and that does happen as well. There's just sometimes sloppy journalism going on, which which contributes to the problem. But again, I don't think that's intentional. I think that's just humans humaning around. Well, and I love, I love, I love hate in, from the standpoint of he's like, okay, social media is really, really bad. And, um, and, you know, has very much a focus on that. So I think that attention is really good. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I do agree with you. Like, I do wonder, like, like when you hear these things that like everyone's anxious all the time, that maybe other yeah. people are looking at that and being like, well, maybe I'm anxious as well. And I think there is something going on in some of the surveys that, because people are paying more attention internally to that stuff, they're more apt to say that they're anxious. Um, so I'm curious how much of that is like showing up in the numbers, but I think we have to wait and see with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, when I read that, I'm like, come on, people, you got to meditate. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that would be my solution. Emma, I know that, that you guys don't pretend or even aspire to be experts and you can't be in all the things, climate education, mental health, uh, AI, all that stuff. But, but I got to ask you, like, um, because you, because you're exploring all those things with your guests and with your members, could you point to one or two things that causes the most anxiety for you? For me? Oh, I've just totally drank the Kool-Aid. I'm so bad. I'm like, I feel like eh, everything's fine. Um, like personally, which is really bad. Cause actually you don't want to be in that kind of lazy, right. that's how you get blind spots. Right. Um, and I'm also kind of just like that as a person. So, mm. <laughs> um, I will say this is my favorite example because, uh, I feel like people in my age cohort, the biggest thing that was causing a lot of anxiety and probably is still causing a lot of anxiety is climate change. Um, And that was my example. That was like one of the really big things on my mind when it came to the Progress Network, because I felt that everyone around me, my age, um, was telling me that the world was going to end. Uh, Nobody cared about it and that we weren't going to do anything about it. And I was just like, I just feel like that that can't be true. Mm -hmm. That like after however many years humans have been on this earth, that like now all of a sudden we're going to be like, you know what? (laughs) 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 Um. So that was a really, a really big one for me when I started the Progress Network and started looking into the science a little bit better and being more exposed to different thinkers around climate. Um, not at all going towards like climate change isn't real. It is real, but that is, well, that's not where we are. But going more towards like, what does it mean if we go past 1.5 um, degrees of warming? Um mm-hmm. What does it mean between 1.5 and 2 or 2 and 3? Uh, what are the things that are going on right now that people are really excited about with climate? Um, and just understanding all of that a little bit better was was really, really helpful for me um, because I wasn't, I wasn't, I should say, I wasn't anxious about it. I was so turned off by the whole thing that I was apathetic about it. Like I didn't even want to talk about climate change stuff. I just thought we were like so far afield on like, you know, people having legitimate conversations about whether they should have babies or not that um, I just didn't even want to talk about it at all. And now I feel much more engaged in the matter that like, I, I, I am much better able to say like, yeah, this is a really, really serious problem. Like let's see what we're doing to figure this out. Yeah. So when you get educated, it changes a lot, you know, from both sides. Uh, You mentioned, you mentioned your lapsed Buddhist. If we wanted to hear that story, you would, you would tell us. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up totally like not religious. I mean, my parents were, were, my, my mom was bringing us to church, but I was really not into the Christian, the Christian thing. Um, And then in college, I, discovered that I really was interested in Eastern traditions and Buddhism in particular. Um, I was one of those really sort of stereotypical Western convert Buddhists. And I was like, listen, none of that religious stuff, guys, like, just give me the meditation, give me, you know, the tools and that's it. Somehow I ended up at a Tibetan Buddhist monastery in Nepal, which is like the most probably in terms of religious trappings and rituals and things like that, the most religious you can get when it comes to Buddhism. And, um, 
I started working at, at Tricycle uh, from there. So I actually started working at yeah. Tricycle when I was still in school. Um, and I was really, really enthusiastic about Buddhism. And what kind of happened at Tricycle, like through no fault of Tricycles, uh, is that I... There's a Tibetan Buddhist saying that the best teacher is always three valleys away um, because you kind of want to maintain like a positive idealization of the person, idealization of the person. And what happened at Tricycle is I just saw like a little bit too much behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. I was there also during the Me Too era, era, and there's just a lot of stuff that there's a lot of stuff that doesn't ever get published because proof isn't there or, um, you know, we didn't have the resources. Um, you just hear a lot of stories. You just hear a lot you just hear a lot, right. About, about people in, in the Buddhist world. Um, and that made me go through a bit of a crisis of faith because, uh, part of it was that part of it was taking something that was a personal and spiritual journey for myself and turning it into work, which yeah. I wouldn't call a mistake, but it, it's hard to do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what happened with that. And then, you know, I've wanted to come back to it. Um, since I left Tricycle, you know, from a personal perspective, but I'm in Greece and it's just not a thriving Buddhist scene here. Um, and I had to go through a lot of adjustment coming to a new country and a new language. So it kind of got put on the back burner. So that's why I call myself a lapsed Buddhist, although I still like very much so am a Buddhist in terms of philosophy and um, still work with with Buddhist writers and, and things like that sometimes on the side. Well, A, I think that that your um, lapsing from Buddhism is is for different reasons than my lapsing from Catholicism, um, uh, for starters. Um, but I, I am curious now that we bring up this issue of faith and, and religion, like it 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 plays a part in in this sort of optimism pes pessimism sort of uh, you know the the fervor. Uh, so like, w does it help more than it hurts, or vice versa? Um, for me with Buddhism, I think, and I, I'll say this personally, I think it helps. I think also generally it helps, um, having a, a religious or a spiritual base. Buddhism for me, like what I said before, it really was the thing that taught me that there was a lot more gray space between the world and myself and how I chose to respond and react to it. And there's just like a lot of like creative capacity when it came to actual external circumstances and internal circumstances. Um, and that was really powerful for me. And I think that was what brought me down this road towards the progress network. Um, I think when I look at other people's faith and other people's, um, religion, I think it really does give them a sort I, I'm absolutely, uh, sympathetic to the argument that the loss of religion in social life has led to all kinds of problems led to, you know, really intense political polarization led to some of the loneliness things that we're seeing. I, for me, I think that religion and spirituality, like it really is an irreplaceable facet of the human condition. That's important for us to maintain. Um, and I think it, it, it really does help people just, just face a difficult world, right? Like that's, that's generally where religions came from in the first place is that like, there's a lot of hard stuff out there. Um, and there's a lot of things that we can improve, but even if you had a quote unquote, like perfect world, like humans would still find ways to suffer from it. Um, so that's, that's why we need a, a, some of these, you know, navigating, uh, stars when it comes to religion and faith, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I would like to, uh, retract my bucketing of religion and faith together. Um, because, because I think that's probably where I struggle the most with this question, because I, I do think faith is incredibly helpful. And I think religion, especially when radicalized contributes to the very thing that you're trying to fight, which is people's, um, sort of ignorance um, like willingful ignorance of facts and evidence, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to do what I'm told by the pastor. Um, he knows what's right. And that's, and I'm going to, you know, die on the hill for women's rights or, 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 or pro-life or, or, you know, you name it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's more of a statement than a question, but, but I, I guess, I don't know. Have you had any, do you have any, do you have any religious members to the progress network or have you had any religious guests? Yes, we do. Ibu Patel is one. Uh, Chris Tippett is another. Um, there, there's a couple more that I'm forgetting right now, but we we do have them. We have had conversations around. Um, oh, Arthur Brooks is another uh -huh. one. 
Um, he's a very uh, faithful Catholic, I believe, and he also kind yeah. of dabbles in Buddhism and, and Eastern thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's there's a sacrifice of critical thinking that I think that you're that you're pointing toward that I personally believe doesn't necessarily have to do with religion. I think it's a human situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that you can find Fair. a sacrifice yeah. of critical thinking yeah. in lots of different institutions. It's more of an institutional problem than a religious problem. It's just so happened that our religious institutions were the largest and most powerful institutions in the world for many hundreds of years. So that's where I come from on that. Um, and I, I do believe that you could practice religion without without sacrificing uh, your, your critical thinking skills. And that I'm kind of hoping that we find a way forward in the world to have both together. Well, that helps yeah, I, because I have to go to mass tomorrow for my eighth graders <laughs> graduation. So uh, I'll come in with fresh perspective. I was going to ask you if you've been going to ma- mass. Is that that's just the one that's just the I do not go graduation to thing. Right. I do not yeah. go to mass. But again, I think, you know, it's that old thing where I, I still think I'm an incredibly faithful person, which is why I want to leave a positive mark on this place, you know, um, regardless of what what God people choose. Well, I can't help thinking about as you bring up religion, the whole good news, bad news aspect of kind of what we're talking about. You know, it's like, okay, there's there's the side of religion, maybe the one I grew up in, Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, it's like, okay, here's the good news, but here's the all here's really bad news. And if you're not if you're not behaving like this, you're gonna burn in hell. And so, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, all right, I'm just gonna focus on the good news. I think that's fair. And I think like, with like, again, like what attracted me towards Buddhism is that Buddhism has this like reputation of being negative because a lot of people hear like all life is suffering thing, which is a mistranslation. But anyway, um, they forget the other truths of the Four Noble Truths um, that, yes, like life includes a lot of suffering. And then the point is that there's a way out of it. Right. Like right. that's that's the point, you know, and that's what I really liked about Buddhism is that it it said like but you have the power to like do stuff about this. Mm. Um, and I found that very empowering. Well, that, that, yeah, I think I, that, that takes us back to doom scrolling, Sean. And I know like you dated yourself when you talked about reading the papers, which some yeah. of our readers or listeners won't even know what that means. But, <laughs> but like, would you qualify yourself as a doom scroller, Sean? Me? Yeah. Well, I, no, I, well, I've told the story before. So I, I, I being in technology, from the beginning of the internet, I was very intrigued by social media when it came on board. And and I thought it was very interesting. I was using it for business and personal. I was in deep. And then I started to feel like this shit is going bad. And, and, and I would say at some level, I found myself consumed by it day and night and quit. And then for men living, we needed somebody to get back into it. So for a couple of years, I was doing it again. And then just recently quit. And my life is so much better when I'm not. And and that's not to say that you can curate appropriately on some of these platforms so that it's fine. But even that, it com- it comes at me. It's not, it's not, honestly, it's not something that I think I can control. And I'll just add this. I mean, we were walking down the street the other day and there's three landscapers were taking a break and each one was just down looking at their phone and it's and it's, it seems like that that just it's not just about the kids it's about us all and it just drives me crazy um except when i get mindful and then i'm not crazy anymore but, <laughs> but uh yeah i just i i i i think it's one of the biggest issues and um if not the biggest issue in the negativity of our society and culture right now yeah i was just there i think my biggest learning of social media is that um you cannot forget that you have control over what's served to you um and that there are some (laughs) my experience has been like there's some platforms that i I have really negative reactions to and some platforms that i have had really positive reactions to Mm -hmm. and like it's kind i think it's gonna be like kind of part of the learning process for any kid growing up these days that's going to enter into this world um they won't have gone through the transition like we all did and uh i think that's okay like like instagram was like really negative for my mental mental health for a while when it came out and that was bad but i figured it out you know uh, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and i have a really positive relationship with twitter and with tiktok oddly so i think huh. everyone needs to go through kind of like their own personal thing with social media and whether that's like i don't engage at all or you know somewhere in the middle 
that's fine. Like my boyfriend uses TikTok um almost exclusively to watch like mini docuseries. And he's like uh, really educational. And you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. You know, how did you get there? And he's like, I just told TikTok I didn't want to see things like millions of times. And then he finally has a feed that's like all educational videos. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to come back one more time to the title of your podcast. Because I said before, I think it's it's brilliant, um, and it really summarizes, I think, the mindset shift that we all sort of hope for. Like instead of starting with what could go wrong, imagining and asking questions about what could go right. How do how do we like? I am interested in how you're promoting the podcast and the Progress Network's message, um, and then how do we like? What are the ways that we as you know? lay people can do the same thing in our own networks um how can they promote what we're doing how can they promote this notion of of shifting your mindset from the immediate presumed negative what could go wrong to what could mm. go right Mm-mm-mm. um i think the first step is just figuring out that if that's like the baseline that you're moving from um, so the first step is like seeing things as they are, as they would say in, mm-hmm. in Buddhism, um, and to fundamentally approach things with inquisitiveness and curiosity. I think like that's number one for me. Um, like my friends know that like, I'm a little bit irritating to speak to <laughs> because I'm like, let me fact check that. Cause I just, yeah, I just want to know if what, like the facts that we're moving from are facts before we like continue on with them. And I think that that kind of, um, it's not skepticism. It's really just like what's really going on here um, is something that people can keep in mind. Uh, if that's like a bit much, I think just like the pause mentality is really helpful. Like there's a, this, forget his name. Now there's a Tibetan Buddhist teacher that had this great uh, article in Tricycle once about his like, <laughs> it's like a three three-step method to combating anger. And like one of them was just like, stop, like just yeah. Take, take a, a second. Yes. Take, yeah. Yeah. Take a pause yeah. here. The power, the power of that is, is big. You know, it's kind of hard to do in practice, but it's big. Um, so I would say that, and, uh, I would say as much as people can, you know, to learn about how the media works and how journalism works and like how not to fall prey to some of the things that we've been talking about here. Um, and, uh, as far as how we, we promote ourselves, um, we're just, we're just everywhere. We try to be yeah. everywhere, all the different yeah. social platforms. Um, and uh, we try not to be pedantic and we try to be mm-hmm. um, useful and a little bit fun would be my answer to that. I, yeah. And so I would say part, part of it, Chris, is so you sign up for the newsletter. So that's going to help you think about what could go right um, and, you know, listen to their podcast. So Emma, Definitely. we've been we've been doing this podcast for I don't know how many two years, Sean. Yeah, and and I'd be lying if I if I said that I didn't have a couple favorite episodes. Like if you wanted, if some of our listeners were going to go check out what could go right, what are your favorite one or two episodes? Oh man, yeah. We're not supposed to play favorites, but I know. But you know, you can <laughs> yeah, say- how, you, how could you do that to her? And so if she asked you the same question, you would have to answer. I would answer. I would answer. You would. I'll say. Yeah. I'll say among among some of my my faves. Um, I really like that we had just had a conversation come out a few days ago with Sarah Walker, who is a theoretical physicist and an astrobiologist, um, which was like really wild and wacky and a little bit different than what we normally do. Um, she's really she's she's focusing on like how do you define life, um, and what what the what the foundational laws of physics are in terms of the origin of life. So that was, that was a fun one. That was a hard one for me. I was just like, I don't even know what we're talking about here. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, I just got nervous thinking that I would have to interview somebody like that. Yeah. 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 That I definitely had that, those moments in that podcast. And I really like, um, I mentioned Arthur Brooks before. Uh, I think one, our most, listen to podcasts was this one with Arthur Brooks where he talked about um kind of how to build a happy life and he's mm-hmm. really great at what he does in just terms of communicating the research and some of the um religious uh teachings on that about how to how to create a happy life. Um so I would say those two and I would say another really popular one was the one that we did with Richard Reeves 
a few weeks ago at this point, which is about the crisis of um, boys and men. Sort of like, I don't want to say identity crisis because I feel like that sounds flippant, but it is kind of an identity crisis. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I would say those those three and those run a pretty wide gamut in terms of topics. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I would encourage everyone to listen to it. I, I, I have not found any of your episodes to be pedantic. I found That's them good. all to be interesting and fun and they're conversational, right? You're, you're, we're, you're trying to have, I mean, not debates necessarily, but really sort of, you know, interrogating and critically thinking about, you know, what, what we know and what we, you know, and what's not true. So, and I think you, and you strive to get kind of all sides of things as well. Right. I mean, it's not just about, progressives i mean you have uh folks that would be considered conservatives as well right giving different perspectives yeah absolutely um and it's funny because you know when zachary and i went back and forth for a while about the name for the organization and we thought that progress was like a very neutral term turns out that a lot of people when they read the progress network they think it's the progressive network so sometimes (laughs) we have people writing to us and um you know me and zachary's like personal politics aside uh I think that we're both a little bit hard to place on the political spectrum, but it is really central to our mission that we talk, we can talk to progressives and we can also talk to people who are center left and center right. And we can talk to libertarians and we can talk to conservative Republicans. And like, that's kind of the point um, that everyone has, you know, something to something to share. And I thank you so much for saying that it's substantive because that was something else, you know, that, uh, we were looking for in the beginning which is like there's a lot of sort of good news networks out there that are like you know golden retriever hugs small child with disability kind of thing and like that's (laughs) nice like you know everyone likes those videos but like that's not what we were aiming for yeah yeah i think um that you're 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 setting the right tone and a good example because you're also exemplifying that we all have something to learn as well not just share but uh but yeah i hadn't considered your perspective let's hear it um, you guys were almost at time. Emma, can yeah. we ask you three three canned questions to end the podcast? Yes, I'm. 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 I'm not ready for this, but I'm emotionally ready for this. <laughs> do, you, do you want to go meditate first and get centered? <laughs> Maybe if I if I get stuck on one of them, I'll just you know come yeah. back in five minutes. Uh, okay. The first question is: um, What do you wish you could have t- told your ten year old self? Oh my god. Oh. Um... I I wish I could have told my 10 year old self because my my period of life between around 10 to 14 was a little tumultuous I would have told them go to therapy as soon as possible Mm. things will be better after that and lighten up (laughs) so pragmatic so pragmatic and so smart yeah yeah (laughs) Um, the second question is, do you have a mantra in life or or even a mantra these days? Ooh, I don't. I don't have a mantra, no. Um, I always want to be a person with a mantra. Like I see other people like writing <laughs> inspirational things on their walls and stuff, and I wish I could do that, but I just can't seem to can't seem to get to that. Um, I think like if I could think of one on the fly, it's like not something that I actively have in my mind every day, but something that's been really present in my life in Greece is just like persevere um keep coming back uh keep trying and uh even though like things can be difficult if you persevere like you're almost guaranteed some result might not be a perfect result but there's going to be some result so that's my motto on the fly that's that's a good one that's a good one i think you could sneak pause in there too i i I really do appreciate that sort of like reminder um and the last question emma the last question, Emma, is what do you hope people, and you're way younger than us, so this is going to seem weird. It's weird for everybody. What do you hope people will say about you at your wake? Oh, man, that's a good one. I hope people will say that I made their lives better and happier. Like with the the visual image that came to mind of that was just like light. Like I hope people... Mm. Mm remember me as a uh as a light as a not as a light but like as a as a lightful presence as a you know some kind of brightness um that's i think what would make me make me happy to hear yeah 
as a spirit yeah. above my wake. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, a positive force for sure. I think the work you're doing right now is really positive. Um, We're yeah. feeling the light. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. We're Come to my wake, light. guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 you have no idea how old we are. <laughs> We're going to be around for that. But thanks for the invite. <laughs> no problem. Listen, I live in Greece and uh, the traffic is crazy here. You never know what could happen. So. <laughs> well, Emma, um, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was, this was really, really fun. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And we'll be keeping track uh, of the Progress Network. For sure. Yeah, please. And I'll say yeah. that to your listeners. Listen to the podcast, subscribe to the newsletter. It's free. And thank you so much. Yeah. Yep. All right. Keep in touch. Bye. Peace. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Chris. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of If You've Come This Far. And this is Sean. Remember to check us out at menliving.org. <laughs>